You're listening to the Shut Up and Teach podcast. I'm your host, Elijah Carbajal. Let's get started. Hello, listeners. Thank you for once again joining me for another episode of the Shut Up and Teach podcast. I'm your host, Elijah Carbajal. And today I have a special treat for you because I have a special guest on the show today. My guest um, hails from uh, the northeastern part of Texas. She is a librarian, and I'm not going to say much more about that because she ha- um, she is just super interesting. She has a lot to say, um, and I'm going to let her kind of tell you more about who she is. But for now, I'd like to introduce to you Shelly. Shelly, thank you so much for being on the show today. Hi, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um, Great. Yeah. So Shelly, you and I have been um, connected on Twitter and and Instagram for a little bit now here, but it's so great to finally sit down and chat with you in person. Yes, it's very nice. Um, I I kind of got on Twitter by accident. connected with so many wonderful educators so it's my pleasure to be here thank you exactly yeah the magic of social media it's amazing how those those things just happen and the people we we meet because of that well shelly i mentioned that you are from texas i mentioned you are a librarian but tell our listeners a little bit more who are you what is it that you do exactly Well, um, currently I am a supervising librarian for a primary and elementary campus at a public school in Texas. I'm privileged to work with two outstanding library paraprofessionals. Um, They do a wonderful job with the students and I kind of help organize everything. At least that's what my role is. Um, Before that, I worked in the public library sector, I taught at a private school, and then I began working toward my school librarian certification, which kind of brought me back to where I am now. And I always tell people I became a librarian by accident um, because I originally got certified to teach, couldn't find a teaching position, found a position at a public library, and I think that's where I found my niche. Um, Some people tend to refer to or think that the term librarian is a bit antiquated, but um, I often refer to myself as like a learning materials facilitator, Um, but I also don't mind being called a librarian. I kind of take pride in that. Yes, as you should. Our librarians are just super important and vital to each school and, and to really to our society. So thank you for your your service in the public library um, and then just in the different roles that you've taken on and now as a librarian again. Uh, Shelly, your story is kind of opposite mine. Actually, I wanted to be a specials teacher. I wanted to be a music teacher. And then in college, I was actually strongly advised saying, hey, because of educational cuts, you know what's going to go first. And they looked at me and said, you. So uh, they said... (laughs) go into elementary education, you're guaranteed a job. And so um, that kind of got me thinking, I love teaching anyway. So I went into, or I wanted to teach regardless. So that's what I went into. So your story reminds me of a little bit of mine, but it's kind of on the opposite there. So 
making little connections with you. So, Shelly, uh, right, specials teachers, you and I both know that they are vital to a school. They're definitely necessary. But I've seen um, in, you know, in my own experiences in different schools that I've worked with, unfortunately, librarians, the special teachers, art teachers, PE coaches, uh, often kind of have to take, they're kind of forced to take a back seat um, to the general education teachers. Um, not that they should though, I'm not saying that they should take a back seat. Um, but that's sometimes, unfortunately, the attitude that some people have regarding specialist teachers. In fact, I've even been told to my face, general education teachers work much harder than specialist teachers, which I know is a complete lie. I wonder if you can kind of walk our listeners through a day in the life of a librarian. Sure. Um, yeah, I I kind of have entered the same attitude, I guess you would say, that you're you're describing. And I think often it's really comes down to because they people don't understand what the job entails. Um, they don't really understand um, the work that is involved in these specials areas. And yes, um, the the classroom teachers or the general ed teachers, they do have a lot on their plate with state testing and trying to cover different subject areas. Um, but for the library side of things, um, I used to get, I guess people would come in the, the public library and I would get comments every now and then about, well, all you do is read all day. Um, I've even had people tell me that in the school library, well, your job must be so easy. I, I thought, well, you don't really understand my job. But um, for a typical school librarian, uh, a day with students would depend on upon the age group that you're working with um, and really depends on how your school has the library set up. Um, for the upper levels, like high school and middle school or junior high, um, the library is usually open kids coming in and out on a regular basis. Uh, they might bring classes or there may just be individual students coming in looking for materials or assistance on things. Um, at the elementary level, it's in most districts, in my experience, uh, the library time is integrated in with the other specials classes. So uh, at my particular district now, we have PE computer and music. So all of these things are on a rotation. So the students typically will come at least once a week. Sometimes we get to see them twice a week, depending upon the schedule, um, but anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes at a time. So essentially within a week, um, all of the specials teachers, library included, will see every kid on campus. Um, so in a way, um, it can be a bit challenging at times because you only see them for a short period of time. Um, but it's also nice because you get to develop those relationships with more than just your individual class or more than just that particular grade level. Um, on a daily basis, the um, students will come in. Uh, for my particular library, we have 
nice designated checkout time, usually at the beginning of the uh, class period. And then at the end of the class period or toward the end, we tried to incorporate a lesson of some sort. Um, it might be related to literacy, uh, digital citizenship, or even highlighting topics that students are studying in other areas. Uh, I like to go and as much as possible, communicate with the teachers on campus so that I know what is going on with the different grade levels and the subjects that they're covering so that if I can tie that into something that we're doing in the library and then highlight some resources that we have available, that's something I like to do. And this past year, I've really incorporate a lot more of um, STEAM related activities uh, because our age group here doesn't really get a lot of exposure to that. And so I know some districts offer STEAM classes or they have specific areas designated for that. Um, but in our library space, I've tried to create something. Um, we have a maker space so that we, um, if we don't do something as a group and we have some extra time, the students can go and they can explore different things on their own. Uh, it's been a little challenging this year with, with COVID, but I'm hoping that as things start get, to get back to normal, that we can do more of that. That's something that um, I believe is really a and helping them see the different variations of learning that are out there because the typical subject areas of math and science and reading and social studies, those are great, but then you can incorporate these extra things that a lot of these students have never had exposure to. Um, they, Although they do go to an art class, just the ability to be creative or to engineer something or to robotics. These are all things that they don't have the opportunity to do on a regular basis. So trying to fit that in um, as much as possible within our 45 minutes that we get to see them each week. Wow. I don't think anyone should ever say you are just a librarian ever again, because you do so much more um, then, you know, like I said, it's not just sitting around reading books all day and telling kids to be quiet. This is a library. Uh, wow, it's, it's truly is amazing to see how you are impacting every kid because you do bring, you do bring up a good point. While I, as a general education teacher, you know, home, you know, classroom teacher, have my set of kids that I can build, you know, a connection with and that strong connection, connection with, you get to see every student you get to make an impact in every student's life and maybe not you know something huge and big but you still get a chance to to touch that child's life um, in every kid so i i think that's incredible to me um and then i i wrote i've taken notes here as i listen to what you have to say shelly um how do we shift the public's view of that from from something like what you said like oh it's if you just sit around and read all day, how do we shift the public's view from that to one of appreciation? What would, what would that look like if that was changed overnight? I think it's really about um, exposure and showing the public the opportunities that your 
that you're providing for the students. Um, that's one thing that that drew me to the idea of a makerspace area when I first started hearing about it, um, because not only was it giving the students an opportunity to try these new things or to be exposed to these new ideas, Creative, but a lot of schools were taking community members that perhaps had specific talents or skills or even just something that they wanted to share with students and they would use that makerspace area or that library time within the makerspace area to have those people come in and showcase that. Um, you know, I, I talked to uh, one librarian in particular that she had a, a lady in her community that was really skilled in sewing and crocheting. Um, and it sounds really kind of crazy to some people maybe, but for kids who've never been exposed to that skill or that trade, um, I think it's really a nice way to involve people in the community also uh, give them the opportunity to try something that they might never have give, been given that opportunity before. Um, another person that I talked to uh, knew someone in their community that uh, they were very skilled at pottery making. And they had came in and they had them do a lesson about ancient pottery that tied into something they were learning in history class. And then they essentially stepped the kids process, gave them an opportunity to try their hand at it. Um, it just opens the door to bring in these ideas and expose the students to a bigger world. Because a lot of the, the population that I serve, especially in the rural area where I am, they don't know anything of their community. They know what they see on television or what they see on social media, but they haven't really ventured outside of that area. And I think the more that we can bring things in, the more that we can educate the community about look at these opportunities that are available for these students and we want to give them this knowledge and we want you to share it with them uh, and making that connection is going to change the way that people view libraries. And a lot of your public libraries are doing the same thing with programs in the summer and throughout the year, just to make the community more aware of the things that are going on and integrating the services that they offer into what everyone is needing or what everyone is looking for. So it's just more about um, educating everyone uh, because it is, a practice that for a long time people have really uh, just developed this one mindset when it comes to what a library should be. But as technology has increased, as the format of books and resources and information has changed, um, it really has become more about helping people navigate that search for information, uh, whether it is in a digital format, a print format, or even a those connections. The more that you can give them those skills, the more it's going to help them in life. Because right now, um, the idea of just bringing them in and just handing them materials is um, very outdated because they can get information anywhere. They have it at their, their fingertips. They don't always know how to navigate that. They don't always know what is 
you know, legitimate information, how to be a good right. digital citizen. So those are all different things that I think the library is shifting toward. Um, it's becoming more of helping them find and navigate that search for information. Thank you for that. And and Shelly, you kind of answered part of my next question that, I'm, that I was going to lead into here about uses of technology. You talked about, you know, uh, di digital citizenship, which is a huge, it's a, I mean, it's a must need right now um, with our with our students, um, especially after this last year um, with, you know, you know, students being online, you know, all day practically, you know, in some cases. Um, so, you know, it's, it's good to see that you are incorporating that and that you are using, uh, you know, teaching, teaching things like digital uh, citizenship and safety. Um, how do you balance of tech with what some might say the traditions of, uh, you know, an institutional library? Well, that can be a little bit challenging <laughs> given the time constraints, especially um, when you're working within that 30 to 40 time period. Um, if I had all day, I would love it because I could do so much. But I, I try to find ways to tie whatever activity or whatever lesson we're doing uh, back to literature or literary elements in some form or fashion, uh, whether it's helping to reinforce a literary, literary concept, um, the idea of digital citizenship, or even highlighting something of interest to the student. I always try to make them aware of the resources that we have available that will allow them to further explore that topic. Um, one, I guess, really uh, simple explanation or activity that we did recently uh, is we, and this is one I just, I kind of borrowed from someone else, which I do that a lot, but I think it's a great idea. Uh, they, they were learning about uh, stories and specifically about fairy tales and things like that. And so uh, we talked about the story of the three little pigs. And of course, most people have heard the story and we talked about the differences between people's versions of the story and why there might be different versions available. And they compared and contrast two different versions that we had within the library. And then we kind of tied in science and engineering into our lesson because we talked about the three structures in the story and why one withstood the wind a lot better than others. And then I gave them an activity. And this is something I typically try to do if we can incorporate some tech with it. But this year it was kind of challenging because I'm in a rural district and we have limited technology tools. So I just went with old fashioned um, a, an old fashioned approach, I guess, with just regular materials. Um, but I gave them 20 index cards and I asked them to build their best wind resistant structure with nothing but the index cards. And it was really fun to watch them. Some of them struggled a bit with it, but 
once they started thinking outside the box, um, it really kind of took off and they had a lot of fun. And then we tested it out um, with a little bit of wind to see which one would withstand uh, the wind the best. And we talked about different ways that they could construct things that would help with that process. It really was all about trying to get them to think critically but also to develop those skills of working in a group and working with other people, um, especially at the elementary level. I, I find that that is oftentimes a very challenging thing students tend to want to shy away from. Um, and I'm trying to incorporate it as much as possible, especially if there's some um, challenges there because I want them to be able to work through that, uh, especially as they get older, learning, you know, how to see other people's strengths and to build on that and maybe um, recognize that we're not always going to agree, but we can figure out a way to and, and get the task done that's assigned to us. Um, but as far as the tech part of things, we, I really um, try to as much as possible, if we have the resources, get a, a group approach to introducing them to different tools. Um, this next year, I really want to work with some of our upper elementary students to try to start building digital portfolios. Um, they are just now um, starting to learn how to navigate creating things on the computer. Um, COVID kind of force them to really get accustomed to that. But I would love for them to be able to take a digital artifacts that they've made. And even if it just starts out as one or two, but then every year they can build on it so that by the time they get to high school and on into college, they have just a big, nice portfolio of everything that they've worked on as they've grown with their skill set. Um, so that's one of those things that with the time constraints, we kind of have to work on it a little at a time. And typically it takes several weeks, sometimes several months. Um, but that is something that I try to do when the resources are available. And then we also have, like I said before, the makerspace area where we try rent tech tools and we try to... Um, perhaps tie that back into something that they're learning or some sort of um, literary element. Um, and it goes down to providing a lesson that has a purpose, but then bringing in that tool or that technology that helps them see how that purpose can be um, fulfilled using that tool. Wow. Yeah sounds really exciting. I mean, from, you know, the, the tower challenge to the makerspace block, you know, uh, you know, all of that. Shelly, I mean, it sounds so exciting. You're really making me want to come to Texas so I can come take your class for like, you know, at least a couple of days and kind of sit in there. Um, You're so, a welcome anytime. <laughs> well, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here. Still talking okay. library, right? Still talking books. I have a question for you, Shelly Ann. Three books, in no particular order, but three. What are three of your favorite books? Okay, this is a very hard question because I have this a lot. A, this is a, 
this is a hard question for it. Yeah, for anyone who's an avid reader, they know this is a hard question. Being that right now I'm working as an elementary librarian, I thought seriously about this and I, I reflected upon the books that really had an impact on me when I was growing up. So that's kind of what I went with. So the first one is I really enjoyed or I kind of developed my love of reading from like the Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys mystery books. That growing up was kind of what first got me into reading. I started reading them and then I was, before I knew it, I was reading the whole series and it just kind of piqued my interest. And so that made my list because of that. Um, when I got a little older, I, I don't know if most people really enjoyed this series, but I, I loved Anne of Green Gables. Like that entire series was kind of one of those that it got, it kind of was able to transport me to a different time and I, I loved reading it. And then my last one was Lord of the Rings because it kind of propelled me into that fantasy literature and I really enjoyed it. Um, that was kind of my introduction to fantasy and that's one of my favorite genres, I think. So those were essentially the top three that growing up had an impact on me. Um, of course, now I've got a lot of favorites, but I chose those because that was uh, related to the elementary level or yeah, as close yeah. to elementary as possible. And tapping into some personal, you know, personal growth and personal memories and like that is, is great. Thank you for sharing those. Um, is there a book that you are reading that you are excited about or one that you plan to read this summer? Oh, gosh, I have a lot on my list to read. I'm currently trying to finish a book called They, they Turn the World Upside Down by Charles Martin. Um, and it's really really interesting so far. I'm about halfway through. Um, and that's kind of one I want to try to finish. And then I have quite a few young adult novels that I am perusing to see if they meet the criteria to be um, on the elementary campus. Because mm -hmm. they're, they're kind of an in-between I guess you would say, even though they are classified as young adults, I think the content is something that some of our readers on this at this age group would enjoy. But I like to try to uh, examine those a little bit further before I decide if they are appropriate for the collection. So that's where I get to spend most of my reading time is kind of um, looking over those books and deciding if it's something that needs to be in a particular level or if it needs to maybe go up to the next campus. So I, but I enjoy it because it, it helps me to stay current on what the kids like to read or things that they're requesting. So it helps me to know what is really good as far as upcoming literature that I can suggest to them and just keeps everything um, where I can make those suggestions or I know what it might be good for the students that I'm serving. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, the big student request was the Dogman series. Like a bunch of my fourth graders loved it and they all showed up with Dogman. Is Dogman still the big one or is there another book that kids are really 
requesting or gravitating towards? Um, men is still very popular. Um, really, my students tend to gravitate toward the graphic novels in general, mm -hmm. um, which I think is a great resource, especially for those who might be struggling readers, because it does give them a little bit more of a confidence boost because they can read it easier. Um, it gives them that um, excitement because there are pictures and graphics to go with the story. Um, I really am looking at trying to find more middle level graphic novels though, because I have a lot of um, upper level elementary students who that's typically their go-to and I'm finding it difficult to really pinpoint those graphic novels that are content appropriate for that age group, but are still challenging. Mm -hmm. um, that's where it, where it becomes an issue is you want to challenge them in, on their reading skills. But most of the time in my experience thus far, the graphic novels that are available that are a little higher reading level are often not necessarily content appropriate for fourth and fifth grade. Nice. Uh, great. Those are, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, I appreciate your answer. All right, Shelly Ann, here we go. We have one more question for you, and this is a big one. Can you share a shut up and teach moment from your career? And it doesn't have to be like, oh, I told myself to shut up and teach, but, but something similar to that where you had to maybe say, I need to put this aside for now, or I need to step up or, you know, just anything like that. Do you have a shut up and teach moment that you can share with our listeners? Um, I don't know if I have a moment in particular, but I suppose I feel like I've always to some extent uh, been fighting to change the general perception of school libraries and the role that they play in the culture of the campus, um, especially in the areas that I've worked. Um, because most people tend to think of libraries in a traditional format as a place to like house and lend materials. But as technology has changed, the role of the library has changed. And so I feel like I'm working really hard to try to open people's minds a little bit um, and to get them a little more um, inept to appreciate the different aspects of the library as it changes and the needs change and what we can offer students changes. But I, if I had to pick a defining moment, I guess it really goes back to more of a philosophy that I've had to try to practice lately. Um, and it's really about allowing your creativity and ingenuity to see you past the barriers. Um, lack of funding, um, lack of resources, resistance to change are all these barriers to accompany what I do. 
Um, people look at the traditional library or they look at the things that I'm wanting to implement and they say, well, we don't really have the funds for that. We don't have the resources. You don't have the time. And so I've learned that you don't always have to have everything in place for a program to work. Um, and you don't need to necessarily wait on something. Uh, sometimes you just have to creatively pursue solutions as you go along. Um, and if you don't wait, the important thing to do is to go ahead and, and if you think it's going to benefit your students, you have to take that initiative to start. Uh, and that's the important thing is looking at what you can do with what you have to make the most impact. Wow, Shelly, you definitely, definitely embody the shut up and teach mindset. That is uh, just fantastic the way that you just, you know, no excuses. I heard you say, um, you know, sometimes it's not about the resources you don't about, you know, thinking through that and problem solving and, and looking at what you do have. So thank you so much for uh, sharing that, that moment with us. Well, Shelly, as we begin to wrap up our show here, I want our listeners to be able to stay in touch with you and continue to see um, the things that you're doing. How can our listeners uh, stay, you know, stay connected with you? Well, um, my Twitter and Instagram are Ann, A-N-N, Awesome. And listeners, I will definitely be posting information in the description of this uh, episode. So uh, Shelly Ann, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad I got the privilege of uh, speaking with a librarian um, and just a phenomenal person and educator. So thank you so, so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you will follow Shelly. I hope that you, um, if you haven't already liked and subscribed to the show, please do that. Share it with a friend, um, especially these episodes with the guests, so we can continue to highlight them. Until then, I will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Shut Up and Teach podcast. If you like this episode, feel free to share it with a friend or on social media. I always welcome feedback, so be sure to leave a comment about your thoughts on this episode. Until next time.